Well, joining me is the political analyst, probably the best analyst of American politics there is, Frank Luntz, who I'm glad to say is with me here in London, and across the pond, Fox News contributor and Outkick host Tommy Lahren, and by Michael Wolff, author of the phenomenally best-selling Fire and Fury inside the Trump White House. OK, well, look, great to see you all. Michael Wolff, let me start with you. Uh, you know Trump as well as anybody. You wrote the devastating series of books about him. Um, can he wriggle off all these hooks, I guess, is the obvious question. Could you see a pathway now for Donald Trump to just barrel his way once again to the White House? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the answer is, uh, um, of course. I mean, he has done it so many times before that it would be actually more surprising if this finally trips him up. I mean, I, uh, I got a, a note from one of the, the Trump inner circle this morning that said we're in uncharted territory, which I, th I think is, I think is, is, is true. Uh, to be found liable for, um, for um, sexual abuse in the middle of a presidential campaign is, um, well, unprecedented. But is the, will this have an effect on the campaign? It will certainly have an effect on the people who hate Trump. But the question is, will it have an effect on the people who love Trump? Um, as so many things in the past uh, that we thought would have an effect have not. So it's, uh, it is uncharted. We wait and see. Yeah, it is. Uh, Tommy Lahren, I want to play a clip from Chris Christie, who may well end up running against Trump to be president. He was on Fox News Radio and said this. You know, his response yesterday to me was ridiculous, that he didn't even know the woman. I mean, you know, how many coincidences are we going to have here with Donald Trump, Brian? I mean, he must be the unluckiest SOB in the world. He just has, you know, random people he's never met before who are able to convince the jury that he sexually abused them. I mean, this guy is one person after another, one woman after another. The stories just continue to pile up. And I, I think we all know he's not unlucky, um, that he, he engaged in this kind of conduct. All right, Tommy, give me some defence for Donald Trump here. It's not a matter of being unlucky. It's a matter of the world wants to take this man down. I mean, every time I hear a charge against Donald Trump, some drummed up charge, I swear my head is going to explode. They go after this man over and over and over and over again over some BS, ridiculous charges. And let's also keep in mind that this jury did not find him liable for rape. They said that they did not believe this woman, that he raped her. But then again, they're going after him for defamation. I don't know about you, Piers, but if someone falsely accuses me of rape, I think that it's on and popping. You can say whatever you want about somebody who falsely accuses you well, of something on, as hang on, hang on, Tommy. as rape. Hang on, it, Yeah, they, they didn't just find against him for defamation. They found against him for sexual assault, right? So he was not found guilty of the higher charge of rape, but he was certainly found guilty by this jury in a civil case, it must be said, a different bar, of course, to a criminal case, but he was found guilty by a jury of sexually assaulting this woman. 
Yeah, and again, the same woman that went on CNN and said that rape was sexy. Okay, I'm sorry if I have a little bit of suspicion here. And this, honestly, as a woman, really bothers me because there are people with legitimate sexual abuse and assault and rape claims that don't come forward for this exact reason. People that make a mockery of it, like this woman, E. Jean Carroll, who wants her moment in the sun and her moment in the spotlight. They go after this man relentlessly. And then meanwhile, you've got the Biden crime family over there. Amazing that we're focusing on this and not the fact that we know now that that the Bidens were involved in a massive bribery pay-to-play scheme. The fact that the media continually focuses on Donald Trump and not what's actually going on with our current sitting president, to me, is an abomination. All right, Frank Lance, um, let's get to the, the polling on all this, because it's really interesting. Because after the indictment over the Stormy Daniels case, which I thought was overreach, frankly, um, it looked to me like if he made those payments, he was doing it probably to keep this quiet from his wife. And is that really the correct way to go after a, a, a president of the United States to take him down for that? I don't think so. I think there are more important legal issues to come. But what was extraordinary was after that indictment, his poll numbers surged and so did his fundraising. It was almost like, you give us a reason to get behind this martyr and we're going to do it. Will that happen again now after this, do you think? And you've got the exact word, martyr. I like to call it, it's not even victimization. It's now persecution. And Donald Trump is the perfect political person who understands communication and has united all these Republicans against those who are attacking them. And the Fox News host, she did it right there. But I want to bring it down a little bit because I know what you think about America, as do I. There's a reason why I'm here. We're destroying our democracy. We actually are. More Americans think our institutions have failed. More Americans believe our elections are fraudulent. More Americans believe democracy does not work. More Americans have lost faith and confidence in the future. And most importantly, more Americans today than ever before think their kids are going to be worse off than they are. Pierce, we're destroying this gift that we were given. It's not entertainment for me. It's not being a pundit for me. I'm watching my country while I'm alive. I'm watching my country tear itself apart. And the problem is that Donald Trump is leading that effort. It's not about the truth to him. It's, and by the way, elections are less important than the future of our democracy. Right. Obviously, we have trouble here in, the, in Great Britain. But America's become the laughingstock. I mean, Michael Wolff, I have to say, a lot of the world is shaking their head, going, you've got 320 million people in America, and you have two, potentially, a runoff again between two people, one of whom will be 82 if he wins the election, 86 by the end, who is already showing visible signs of senility. Uh, and the other one is already under criminal indictment, has just been found guilty in, by a civil jury, of sexual assault, has a number of other legal threats coming down the line. A lot of people away from America scratching their heads going, how is it that it's going to be these two facing off to become the most powerful person in the world? Well, I, I hope you're not asking me to answer that question because I have, I have no idea. I mean, it's, it, is, it, is, it is kind of astounding. Um, um, I, you know, I mean, somebody was saying to me the other day, well, you know, we always love a rematch. 
So is, is, is that part of this that we are seeing and we now regard all of this as, as an incredible show, that these are all characters engaged in some kind of, I don't know, media event? Um, and, um, and who is responsible for that? Well, Fox certainly has responsibility in that. Um, and, uh, you know, all other cable channels have responsibility for that. But right now we have a debt ceiling that we cannot solve. Right. We have a budgetary crisis. We have a crisis in terms of our relationship with China. All of this is having a negative impact on actually getting things done. Well, you also, I think you have a, a paralyzed Washington in the sense that the first thought now for any side that loses an election is how to spend the next four years preventing whoever wins from doing anything. So you, and, and this has been going on now for a long time. And I look at it and think, I'm not sure how you solve that problem. So you're correct. You're so correct. But then the question is, what does the media do in this process? Or are they playing, as, as Michael Wolf says, are they playing characters in this Broadway play? Well, take CNN tonight are going to be doing this big town hall. Caitlin Collins, one of their correspondents, will be interviewing Donald Trump in front of a lot of Republican voters, apparently. Big departure for CNN, who were full-on Trump bashing for a number of years. But, you know, again, you can already see a huge furore erupting about them even doing this. But Trump is a bona fide candidate to be president. And Why shouldn't CNN do it? But already I can see this is going to play out in a horrendously toxic way, whatever happens. But some of this is our fault as voters, our fault as citizens. We seek news that affirms us rather than informs us. Mm. We just want to be confirmed. We surround ourselves with people who agree with us. You can't ha even have a political conversation at Thanksgiving or Christmas without interrupting. So the problem is, and by the way, I, actually, I'm going to blame social media more than any other factor. It's no question. It's a poison. Mm. And it's time for Facebook and Google and all those companies to sit down and acknowledge the damage that's already happened and address okay. it. Let me bring Tommy, Tommy in. I mean, Tommy, the, the big question for me for the Republicans is I felt for a while the only way Joe Biden might be able to win in 2024 is if Donald Trump is his opponent again, because he's beaten him once. He knows he'll get the anti-Trump vote out. Trump has probably got the power to win the nomination for the party, but I'm not sure he can win enough independence, for example, to become president. Why would the Republicans willfully engage in an act of self-harm when you've got, for example, a candidate like Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, who's been very successful, he's nearly half Trump's age, he hasn't got any of the baggage? I don't really get the strategy here. Well, you know, Piers, I'm, oh, sorry, I'm not sure uh, that Michael, that's that was just, true. That's Michael, a, that, that was for Tommy. I'll come, come to you for a response to, to Tommy. But, Tommy, that one was for you. Can you hear sure. me? Sure. Tommy, can you hear me? I don't think she can. That's the Who song. We're going to fix Tommy's uh, ear, because I don't think she can hear me. Michael, you answer then. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, I, I, think, I think what you point out is the weakness of the situation to suddenly posit Ron DeSantis. And that's, that's the only person that, that the Republicans or, and the media establishment have been able to posit, oh, Ron DeSantis can run against, against him and do well. But everything that we've seen, except in the local Florida election, Ron DeSantis is an incredibly untried and weak candidate. He's, a, he's actually a bad retail politician. 
um, which is, and, and against Donald Trump, one of the greatest retail politicians of all time. That is true. It's the, the only no caveat, contest. Yeah, the only, the only caveat I would put in that is that if you looked at the recent midterms, most of Trump's endorsements lost or did badly, and DeSantis was the standout Republican winner, taking a majority of 30-odd thousand to, to one and a half million. In, I mean, he has, got, he has got the scores on the board. Well, in Florida, but we've seen again and again and again and again in the history of presidential races, governors who can't step out of their own state. It's a really, it's an entirely different skill set to deal with national media over over local media and local media that is and true. local political yeah. Let me, organizations. Let me, yeah, that is true. Let me bring in Tommy. I was going to ask you about DeSantis, Tommy, but your ear fell out. So we've got your ear back. So I want to ask you about somebody else. George Santos strikes me as the only person where Donald Trump looks at him and goes, wow, now that guy, that is shameless. Um, I interviewed him in New York recently, and we had this exchange. I've been a terrible liar. I mean, would you be prepared to say that? Sure. Like I well, said, on, well, I've been a terrible liar on, okay. the, on those subjects. I've been a terrible liar, said George Santos. Well, he's now been arrested for being a terrible liar, and he's had, I think, 13 charges for his lies. But he says tonight, I'm not going to resign. He intends to return to Congress to vote tomorrow and intends to run for re-election. How is America, again, I ask you as a, as a nation, you're speaking for your country here, how can someone like George Santos, who literally lies about whether the sky is blue, how can he still be operating in Congress? Well, again, because I am a conservative and a Republican, I don't stand up for people just because they are a conservative or Republican. So I'm not going to stand up for George Santos. I'm not going to defend him, right? I think we can do much better as a Republican Party, as conservatives. But I do find it incredibly interesting, Piers, that the rest of the mainstream media chose to run with the George Santos story today, which impacts very few people when you really look at it, instead of running with James Comer and House Oversight over the Biden crime family, which I've been trying to address because we could have potentially the then vice president, current president, taking money from foreign entities like China in the millions of dollars over a span of several years. But yet we're talking about George Santos. I'm not defending the man, but my God, you've got a man sitting in the White House who has not been held accountable for what his family has done, what his son has done. I really wish someone would talk about that. That has implications for our entirety of our national security. Right. And certainly, Frank, that's just finally, I mean, that there is a double standard about the way Biden is treated by the media because a lot of the media do skew to the left. And I do think if it was the Trump family that had this kind of murky stuff going on with all these payments coming into the family from all these uh, foreign adversaries in many cases, there would be all hell would be breaking loose. What so I go back to your original point. Is this the best we can do? And that the ad that's going to kill Donald Trump in the end is going to be a middle-aged woman looking at her daughter who's turning 18 and asking her, is this the person you're proud of? Is this the person you find as a role model? Is this the best person we can put up for president of the United States? It's going to be asked as a question. This is not about entertainment. And my concern in this whole conversation is that we're trying to score political points. And I mean this. You, you know me. This is not about political points. At some point, you break your democracy. At some point, the public loses Well, I do faith. think your point about social media, I do think it's got so tribal on social media, facts no longer matter. All that matters is getting on your tribe's side and agreeing with whatever the tribe has decided is the agreed line. 
and facts are getting disintegrated. I've got to leave it there. I could talk about this all day long, and it's great to have you here, Frank. Please come back soon. Thank Michael, you. thank you very much over there across the pond, and thank you, Tommy. It's going to be fascinating to watch how this all plays out. But again, I asked the question I asked at the start. Really, America? This is the best you can do? Come on.